Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Ann, and I am your pop culture prophet. All right, everyone, we have got a brand new episode of Pop Culture Profit that I am so excited about, um, featuring author Kevin Cloud, who has written a book, God and Hamilton. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for reaching out and for asking to be on this podcast. Yeah, well, I was really intrigued by what you're doing and love the idea of finding God and culture and uh, thought this would be a fun conversation. So I'm excited to have it. Yeah, I am too. So why don't you tell our listeners um, just a little bit about yourself, where you live, what you do, um, what got you into writing, all the things. Yeah, so I live in Kansas City. I've been here for 20 years, and I've been a pastor and a church planner primarily. Um, recently, I've transitioned into the not-for-profit world, and I'm starting a new profit or a new not-for-profit called Recreate, which is all about um, trying to inspire people to live as faithful creatives. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that I think God creates us to be uh, a creative person. And that when we enter into that, we become fully human and offer a beautiful gift to the world. So uh, that's what I'm doing now and excited about kind of leaning into that and seeing what um, God has for me in it. Yeah. Wow. That sounds amazing. Okay. And so you have written a book, God and Hamilton, um, based on the musical. And so what um, qualifies you to be our Hamilton expert here at Pop Culture (laughs) Profit? (laughs) Well, I'm very qualified. Five years ago, I knew absolutely nothing about him. I I literally couldn't have told you one thing about Alexander Hamilton, um, like many others before the musical came out, right? I mean, he he really was the forgotten founding father in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I started listening to the music and my wife and I were in New York and ended up getting really fortunate to land some tickets to go see Hamilton about four years ago and just absolutely fell in love with the music and the history. Um, you know, I, I left the theater feeling like it was this really powerful work of art, obviously, like most people do. But even more than that, I walked out of the theater feeling like I really had experienced and encountered God's presence in that story. And there are so many themes from the gospel that are at the center of Hamilton's life and Hamilton mm-hmm. himself, and maybe even more so his wife, Eliza, were, were very spiritual people and, and loved the Lord. And so I walked out of the theater just thinking, I want to know more about this guy's story. And so I spent probably the next six months to a year reading everything I could get my hands on about his life and uh, his spirituality. I, I read the Rod Chernow biography, which was what Lin-Manuel Miranda based his musical on. Mm-hmm. And the more I read about his story and the more I listened to the music, the other thing I did, I just, you know, I put the, put the Hamilton soundtrack on repeat and just listened to it ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more I listened to the music and thought about the story and read about his story, the more I just felt like, man, this is this is a deeply spiritual story that has profound truth in it that can impact our lives. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I don't know too much about it, but I have listened to the soundtrack and man, it is captivating. Like you just want to, you want to listen to it. You want to fight in the Revolutionary War. You want to write some documents afterwards. Yeah, like you are ready to go. Yeah, it's inspiring. I mean, I mean, I think that's one of the things that people leave the theater feeling is deeply inspired by Hamilton's story, um, by the impact that he made on this country. Uh, you know, the story of this poor orphan kid who comes from the Caribbean and then comes to the United States and self-made man becomes mm-hmm. the second most powerful man in the U.S. government besides George Washington. And, you know, the, the most popular lyric from the song is probably when he sings that, I'm not throwing away my shot, right? Right. And uh, I think that's what inspires people so much is, is this desire to live that way as well and to, and to take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of us and to be that kind of person in our world as well today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we just touched on this a lot, but um, was there one just like really specific thing? Would you say it was the spirituality aspect that drew you into Hamilton that made you want to write this book? Yeah. You know, it was, it was, first of all, it was the brilliance of the, of the, of the musical. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I left the theater thinking, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like that. Michelle Obama had a great quote after seeing Hamilton where she said that it was, I'm going to butcher this, but she said something along the lines of that it was the greatest piece of art in any form that she'd ever experienced in her life. We think about that. That's, you know, about as high as praise as you can possibly get. So it first of all, captain captured me or captivated me because it was such a brilliant piece of work, but yeah, just the spiritual themes in it were, mm-hmm. were so profound and so at the center of that story that I just got really intrigued about, about what it is that, what is it about this story that God seems to be at the center of it? I mean, there were moments in the, in the theater where one second you're sitting in your seat, you're just watching this musical on stage and then something profound happens on the stage, uh, a moment of forgiveness, or uh, Hamilton's son dies, or Hamilton gives a speech about his legacy and the future that he wants to leave behind. And the entire atmosphere in the theater changes. Mm-hmm. And you feel this weight and this presence of this, of this truth that, that is just sitting on people's minds and on people's hearts. And I think it was the presence of God that was there in the theater. And, and there have been many people that have felt the same thing. Rosie O'Donnell had a great quote. She's seen it like 15 times in New York City, which was <laughs> amazing to be rich and, and living in New York and get to go see it as much as you want. But she said that seeing Hamilton is, is like medicine for my soul. She said, it's like church for me. Uh, another theater uh, Broadway critic went to go see it. And he said that when he saw Hamilton, it was like a fresh wind was blowing through the theater. And I just thought, man, that sounds an awful lot like the Holy Spirit to me. And so, yeah, this, the spiritual aspect of the story just captivated me. And then, like I said, when I went and read about Hamilton and I read the story of his life, even more so, uh, as I learned more about the stories about how when he was a young boy, he would write beautiful hymns um, about God and about life in, in God's kingdom and how when he came to America, he went to this Christian college and his roommates would talk about the fervency of his prayers and how when he would pray, the whole room would be moved by his prayers and how as an old man on, on his deathbed, how he was calling priests and pastors to come issue his last rites and how he was confessing his mercy uh, or confessing his need on the mercy of Christ and and again, there are just these beautiful moments where it's very clear that this man lived deeply with God and his story just captivated me. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know much of that that you just said. I mean, that, that's beautiful that we have, you know, such a picture of a, of a man that his story is captivating our culture, but it's also speaking to you in such a spiritual way. Um, so, I mean, this musical has resonated so deeply with our culture for years. I mean, it's still as popular today as ever. And I think that it connects people and brings people together that are so different. And so my question for you about that is why do you think it has resonated so deeply with our culture? You connected to it spiritually and other people do as well. Um, But do you think there's more than that? I I do. I I really do. I think it connects with our culture. Uh, I think there was another book that was written about the musical that just said, right story, right time, right place. And the spark was lit and it just, and it just absolutely swept through our culture. Another Broadway producer said he's never seen a Broadway musical sweep through American culture as fast as Hamilton has. And I think there's a lot of reasons. Again, it's brilliance. Um, I think the themes of the show are absolutely at the center of the, the conversation our culture is having right now about immigration, about race, um, about revolution, I think there's so much of Hamilton's story that that resonates and connects with our story today and is the perfect story to be told to our culture today that's looking for a lot of answers. But but on top of all that thing, or all those dynamics, mm-hmm. I also really believe that there is this spiritual component to it and that people see grace and forgiveness and death and redemption in that story. 
And, you know, those, those themes resonate with us at the deepest level and at the heart level. And I think that's another reason that this story has so captivated our, our people in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. So your book, God in Hamilton, really looks at those spiritual themes within the musical. Um, do you want to share with our listeners some of those themes and how those can apply to our lives and just kind of what you learned from Hamilton? Yeah. Give us a little snippet yeah. of your book. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and the way the book is structured is each chapter is a different theme from Hamilton's life. So grace, forgiveness, despair, redemption. And each chapter, what I try to do is I try to point out this theme in Hamilton's life. And then I go to the scriptures and I try to find how that's a theme that's found in the scriptures and at the heart of the gospel. But then I really make this turn and try to apply it to our lives today. And I ask the question of how do we take these truths from Hamilton's lives that are, that are at the center of the scriptures and how do we apply them to our lives today? I heard a great story about uh, the Los Angeles Lakers when they were in New York. They all went to go see Hamilton together, which which would have been a huge treat for the team, but a huge bummer for the entire row sitting right behind all those dudes, right? <laughs> right. You wouldn't be able to see. <laughs> I know, right? So find a bunch of seven-foot dudes trying to watch Hamilton. Um, but afterwards, the media was interviewing them and asked them what they thought. And one of the players, Josh Hart, he said, you know, sometimes you get so caught up in your world that it's really good to enter into someone else's story and see some truths and then to bring that truth back to your world today. And I love that idea because what he's talking about there is the transformational power of story. How when we enter into someone else's story, we can find truth and take truth from that story and we can bring that story back to our lives today and it can actually transform the way we live today. And so that's what I try to do with the book is to take these themes, apply them to our lives today so that they might actually change it. So a few specific themes. I think grace is one of the most beautiful themes at the middle, at the heart of, of Hamilton's story. Hamilton grew up in the Caribbean. He's a poor orphan kid. Uh, his father left their family when he was around five. At the age of 10, his mother died. And the early years of Hamilton's life were just filled with tragedy and death and loss. And he comes to a point where he really has nobody. And he's an orphan and has no really future possibility at all. A hurricane comes and descends on the island and really devastates the island that Hamilton's living on in the Caribbean. And he writes this letter in response to this hurricane that's happened. And the letter is so beautifully written that it gets passed around and a local newspaper picks it up and they publish it. And some, some well-to-do businessmen read the letter and see the intellect, the obvious intellect that, was, that, was, that the author held, and they go and they find Hamilton. And they basically raise money to send Alexander Hamilton to America to get his education. And so everything that Hamilton will become in America, which again, most historians would say, that Hamilton was the second most influential founding father behind George Washington. And, but everything that he becomes in America is built on this foundation of, of grace, right? It's mm -hmm. a gift that he never earned. It's a gift he never could have deserved. It's a gift freely given. And that's, that's the foundation of Hamilton's life and everything that he will become. And in the book, I talk about how that's true of all of us, that our lives are built on this foundation of grace. I look at the story of the prodigal son. And the son who thinks, who, who has turned his back on the father and gone off to live in faraway lands and blown through his money and blown through everything he has and ends up destitute and starving to death and friendless and comes to his senses and decides, man, I, I need to go back home. This isn't working. But he doesn't think that the father will accept him, right? He, he goes home and he begs the father to take him back as a servant. He, he cannot imagine the possibility of grace. And that is so true of our lives. We too struggle so much with imagining the possibility of grace and yet the father in the prodigal son, which is a story that Jesus tells, right, to teach us about what God is like, what is life in God's kingdom is like. The father welcomes him back and offers him this beautiful, astounding gift of grace, and it changes the son's life. And that's what Hamilton experienced in, in, in his life. 
And that's what God wants us to experience in our lives. Too often we live with, with shame, with guilt, even with self-hatred at times because of our failures and our shortcomings and our brokenness. And God just longs for us to leave all of that garbage behind and to enter more fully into his grace. And that's one of the topics that I tackle in the book that I think we can apply to our lives today. Yes, man. You're just bringing us the word here on Pop Culture and Prophet. I feel so just like excited to be a Christian and just so happy. And I want to learn more about Hamilton. I think, gosh, what you said about um, just looking at another story and, and applying that to your life. That I mean, that's how I relate to pop culture. That's why I get so into movies and books and learning those themes. And now more than ever and always, grace is a theme that we need that we need to hear. Yeah, and I love right. that that is just like the foundation of Hamilton's life too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and, and what you're doing with your podcast, I love because story really is one of the ways, I mean, there's a lot of ways God works in our lives, but mm-hmm. story I think is one of the primary ways that God transforms us. I, I've actually done research on this and there's neuroscientists that have learned that when we watch a story, if we go see a movie or go see a theater mm-hmm. production or even read a book, if we engage in a story that our brains actually begin to act as if the story is happening to us. They have a they have a, a name for it. they call it transportation. So if you're watching a movie about a guy that's riding in the Tour de France, the part of our brain that is required to ride a bicycle, those neurons are firing like crazy, and so it's like our brains are imagining that we are transported into the story, and so that's part of what I'm kind of encouraging people with this Hamilton story, but even with stories in general, is to open our eyes to God and what God is doing in these stories to allow ourselves to get transported into these stories to allow them to transform us. That's why Jesus taught in parables, right? That's why Jesus told yeah. stories. Yeah. Because he tells the story of the prodigal son and he hopes that we might be transported into that story that we might learn and see and understand what it means to live by grace and that it might transform the way we live today. Yes, yes, absolutely. Why don't you, um, I'm just so excited to hear all these themes. Give us, give us another spiritual theme in your book that you talk yeah, about. <laughs> yeah, so forgiveness is another one I tackle. Um, and this is honestly one of the most powerful moments in the mm-hmm. entire story. Um, Eliza Hamilton has found out that her husband, Alexander, has had an, uh, an ongoing affair mm-hmm. with a woman by the name of Mariah Reynolds. And uh, it's, it's this devastating moment for Eliza. As you can imagine, she's horrified. She's ashamed. She's devastated. And Hamilton is trying to ask for forgiveness and trying to win her back. And uh, they're working through it and they're singing this song together. Um, but as Hamilton is reaching out to her, Eliza is, is cold to her or to him. She turns her shoulder away from him. She's cold and distant and hard towards her husband. But as the song goes on, she softens. And there's a moment where she starts singing again with her husband, kind of acknowledging this forgiveness that she's offering to her husband. And it's a beautiful moment. And it's based on, on the real story, right? I mean, this really happened in their marriage. And I just love imagining Eliza wrestling and struggling with whether or not she is going to forgive her husband and how she can possibly forgive her husband. Not only did Alexander betray her in this way, but he also wrote a public pamphlet that was published all over the country confessing the affair because rumors started circling about his relationship with this woman. And the rumors were suggesting that he was using his government position as the, as the secretary of treasury of the United States to give financial secrets to this woman and to their family that wasn't what was happening. What was happening is he was having an affair with this woman. The husband was blackmailing him and he was paying money to this family. And so, uh, but to protect his political reputation, he publishes this pamphlet admitting to this affair. And so Eliza's devastated. She's humiliated. Um, but she walked deeply with God 
and she ends up forgiving him. And it's one of the most powerful moments in the entire musical. And they sing out forgiveness. Can you imagine? And the whole audience just gasps because it is so beautiful. It's such a powerful moment. And again, when that happens on the stage, that moment confronts our lives. In fact, Lin-Manuel Miranda, he says one of his favorite aspects of live theater is that it creates moments of action. Meaning when something happens on stage, the audience is confronted and the audience has to look at their lives. And as they see Eliza forgive her husband, Alexander, we as the audience have to ask and we have to reflect who are the people in my life that I need to forgive? Mm -hmm. Who are the people in my life that have betrayed me, that have hurt me, that have wronged me? And will I take the path of vengeance and unforgiveness? And will I let that path lead me towards bitterness and anger and lead me into my own prison cell? Or will I choose the path of forgiveness? And will I follow the example that Eliza Hamilton set with her husband and the example that's in the scriptures, right? I mean, what, what truth is more central to the scriptures than the idea of forgiveness? It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's one other area, one other truth from the life of Hamilton that I think we can bring back to our lives today that can change and absolutely transform how we live today. Many of us listening to this podcast right now, we have unforgiveness that is just festering in our hearts right now. And it is destroying us and it is destroying our capacity for relationship and reconciliation. And so that is a truth that if we choose to forgive can absolutely change our relationships. It can change our lives. Yes. Gosh, forgiveness is a beautiful thing. Um, and man, who needs like days of our lives or <laughs> those soap operas when you've got Alexander and Eliza writing in right. pamphlets. It's crazy. That's exactly right, that's exactly right man. It, it was, that's part of why the musical is, is so powerful and connects with people so much as well. Because it's, it's just an amazing story. I mean, there's so many ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Hamilton is such a tragic hero. He, he go, comes from nothing, and then he has these huge successes, and then enormous failures, and incredible loss. And, and the story just has everything in it that just continues to draw audiences out to it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, give us, give us your last two um, spiritual themes that you wanted to share with us today. Yeah, so the next one is despair. And uh, this is one every one of us can relate to. Hamilton in the late 1700s, goes through one of the darkest seasons of despair in his entire life. He actually struggled with depression from time to time. But uh, this particular season, there were three events in his life that just sent him into a deep, dark despair. One of them, we've already talked about, the affair with Mariah Reynolds that became public and the fallout with his marriage. And just, you can imagine a very difficult season of struggling with his own kind of dealings of his failures and shortcomings, rebuilding his marriage which is a very hard season. Secondly, George Washington decided not to run for a third term for the presidency. And Washington was Hamilton's greatest friend and greatest ally in the U.S. government. But after Washington resigned, Hamilton had a very hard time getting along with the other founding fathers. Hamilton could be very arrogant, very brash, and and really stepped on a lot of toes and rubbed people the wrong ways. And so after Washington um, decided not to run, Hamilton goes very quickly from the second most powerful man in the U.S. government to a complete political exile. His uh, opponent wins the next presidential election, Thomas Jefferson, and Hamilton finds himself on the outside looking in. And so as someone who's been at a time in life where you look around and you say, man, this is not where I expected my life to be. This is not how I expected things to be turned up, turned out. You can imagine deep disappointment, deep hurt, um, deep, uh, deep despair in that. Lastly, and most significantly, his son, Philip, Uh, His oldest son, Philip, who they had great hopes for as a politician and as a lawyer, uh, he challenged another man to a duel because this other man, George Eaker, was um, disparaging his father publicly. And so Hamilton's son challenges this man to a duel. They go out to the dueling field, and Philip is shot and killed on the dueling field. And so his son dies trying to protect his own father's Mm -hmm. honor on the dueling grounds. 
And so Hamilton and his wife and his entire family really just tumble into this deep depression. Hamilton had another daughter who had a nervous breakdown when this happened. And Hamilton himself, his friends said that, that Hamilton never recovered from the death of his son. And so he enters into this season of just deep despair. And who among us doesn't know what it is to, to feel despair, right? Um, you look at the Psalms, and the Psalms are filled with uh, passages of people writing about what it means to be living in despair in this world. We are overwhelmed at times by despair. Life doesn't go the way we want. We experience loss, bitterness, depression, defeat. Life is dark many times. Um, but in the Psalms, there's beautiful examples of dealing with despair, but at the same time, um, holding on to hope and trying to be really careful about the way that we talk to ourselves. One of the psalmists says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why uh, so disquieted within me? Yet I will hope in God. I will put my hope in God, and he will redeem me. And the psalmist there, I love the lesson he teaches us, which is to be really careful about what we say to ourselves when we're going through despair. When we go through, seasons of, when we go through seasons of despair, we experience so much um, negative self-talk, and these negative messages go through our minds that just tell us, you suck, you're worthless, you're a piece of crap, you're no good, nobody cares, nobody loves you, just give up, stop trying, it's, you're a failure, it's, it's, it's not worth it, not worth the effort. And all these tapes just crush us, even more than the actual events of our lives that, are, that are, we're struggling with. And so I think the lesson we learn there with despair is how do we hold on to hope? How do we tell ourselves... Um, good things in our head? How do we let God speak truth into our minds when we let negative self-tapes kind of run away with us? And how do we be a people that battle despair? Because it's going to be there a part of our lives every single day that we live. Yeah, yeah. We have to kind of end this old narrative that when you become a Christian, your life gets easy, right? I oh, mean, we, oh, we even gosh. see Jesus struggling, you know, praying in the garden and in deep despair about what's going to happen. And it's all throughout, all throughout. And so what did Hamilton do to get through his despair? Well, so Hamilton, he, uh, you know, most of his friends would say he never fully came out of it, Mm -hmm. but in his later years, he really did. So he grew up, had a very devout faith in his middle age years. He kind of seemed to wander from his faith, but in his later years, he really, um, went back to his faith full, full, um, with a, with a full heart. And I, I think he just leaned into his relationship with God, his relationship with friends, and um, used that as a way to try to battle this despair that he was fighting. Yeah, yeah. What a, I mean, I can't think of many better ways to kind of get out of that or just kind of lean into it with God. Um, yeah. 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 And so why don't you share with us um, the last spiritual theme? I'm really excited to learn about this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is actually my favorite one. This is yeah. the story of redemption. And this is my favorite part of the story. In fact, this is how this, this, the musical ends, is Hamilton um, also goes out to the dueling grounds. Um, he, he and the sitting president, or the sitting vice president, Aaron Burr, go to the dueling grounds together over a political dispute that they have. And Hamilton is also shot and killed on the dueling grounds. He doesn't die instantly. He dies a couple of days later. But he dies. And his wife, Eliza, is devastated. She's lost a son now. She's lost her husband. She's left with... Uh, a large family to raise and really no money to do it with and and is just absolutely devastated. In fact, on Hamilton's deathbed, she grabs one of her close personal friends and says to him, I want you to pray for my death and I want you to take over my family and, and take over my kids because she's just absolutely, completely devastated. Um, but over time, she recovers and she begins to feel this call from the Lord to build an orphanage in New York City. And Alexander Hamilton, who was an orphan himself, 
uh, it really was one of the greatest sources of, of pain and brokenness and embarrassment in his life. You know, all these founding fathers that Hamilton is building this country with, they come from wealthy families, they come from well-to-do families. And Hamilton is this, is this immigrant orphan kid that just was always kind of an outcast. Um, even as he grew older and, and made such an impact on the nation, the other founding fathers still would taunt him or, or slander him. Um, one of the founding fathers would call him the, uh, oh shoot, what was the line? One of the founding fathers would call him the, the immigrant bastard or the orphan bastard. And he just dealt with that his, his entire life. And so I can imagine Eliza sharing that burden with Alexander of the pain of, of being an orphan. Um, but then after Ham- Hamilton dies, Eliza gets this call to build this orphanage in New York City. It was the first private orphanage in New York City, her and a handful of other women. And so I love the idea that Eliza takes the most broken parts of her husband's life and then she makes it beautiful and she redeems it somehow. She takes the broken part and she builds this orphanage and then she redeems the story of hundreds of others of kids whose life would have had very, very little hope um, for potential either. I mean, I mean, the possibilities that you had as an orphan kid in the 1800s in New York City were not good. Um, and Eliza though is, is offering them redemption and bringing them hope. The, the, the incredible thing is that organization she started, it still operates today under the name Graham Wyndham in New York city. And today the story of redemption, it still continues offering hope and redemption to people who are in very, very difficult situations in New York city. And so I, I love the idea that Eliza brings the story full circle, that she redeems that brokenness. And that's how the musical ends is Eliza singing about the orphanage. She's singing about Hamilton 50 years later. And she sings out, can I tell you what I'm proudest of? I'm proudest of the orphanage. And I'm proudest of this work that I'm doing. And she says that in these eyes of these orphans, Alexander, I see your eyes every time that I look at them. And so it just is this beautiful story of redemption uh, that that happens in Eliza's life and the way that she redeems the brokenness of Alexander's life. Oh, I have chills just like hearing all of that. What a Because I didn't know. I I feel like maybe I knew there was an orphanage, but I had no idea it was still active today yeah and that that whole legacy of redemption yeah and i've gotten to know those guys and um they are doing beautiful life-changing profound deeply spiritual work Mm -hmm. in new york city it's it's amazing to see the work that they're doing they are changing lives of families they are changing lives of parents who's 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 um who are dealing with all kinds of brokenness and they're they're bringing the kingdom to bear they're bringing redemption to this world absolutely and I have a guess of how um, that story of redemption relates to God and Christianity. But would you like to share um, what that would be? <laughs> yeah, you know, in the book, I, I look at the book of Revelation and I look mm-hmm. at Jesus sitting on the throne at the end of time in the second coming where he says, I make all things new. And that's what God is doing. He's making all things new. Every area of our lives that is broken and that we're disappointed about and that we have all kinds of shame and guilt about. Jesus looks down at us and he says, no, 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 I'm making all things new. In fact, what he does is he takes the most broken part of our lives Mm -hmm. and he makes those parts beautiful. And then he takes those wounds from our lives and our brokenness and he he gives us a calling like Eliza, like he did with Eliza. He gives us a calling to go make our greatest difference in the area where that's happening. And I just love that that's um, a part of God's story and a part of who he is and a part of the way that God works in our lives. Yes, gosh, absolutely. And Thank you just so much for sharing these few spiritual themes. I am just like so excited to read your book now. It's in my Amazon yeah. cart. Like I am ready. Awesome. Awesome. Um, awesome. It what a just what a beautiful picture of relating something that is so huge. I mean, changing the way we view pop culture, the way we view 
musicals and American history and the story of immigrants and our spirituality and and you're putting it in such a relevant and fresh light and I think that's so exciting um and so great for the things that you know I try to do as pop culture profit as well yeah yeah well and I love the work you're doing and it's it's why I thought this would be such a fun conversation because I think it's totally relevant to the stories you're trying to share and um yeah this has been a really encouraging conversation as well for me yeah, well, and thank you so much um, for reaching out to me. For those of you that are listening, um, Kevin just messaged me on Instagram and asked to be on the podcast, and I love that. And so if you are listening, if you think that you know something about pop culture that you want to share, um, all this came from someone reaching out to me. And so I would encourage all of you to do that. And just kind of in our last few moments, do you have any final words, um, anything you want to share just kind of in these last minutes and then where people can find you on social media and where people can find your book. Yeah. So a uh, couple thoughts. Number one, I just would challenge everybody to think about the way God can use story to transform your life. And every time you go see a movie, every time you read a book, every time you go to the theater, go with open eyes and expect God to use that story to transform you. So that would be one idea. The second one really has to do with, with my not-for-profit I'm starting, Recreate. And, and it's the idea that we are called to live as faithful creatives that God is a creative God and that God has called us to be creative people. And I think that every time that we sit down to create, I think that we send a ripple out into the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that ripple starts in our hearts. And I think that ripple does really important work in our hearts. I'm actually writing a musical right now called The Singing Dancing Bears. It's a story of a family of bears that live in the forest and uh, life is happy and good and they sing and they dance until an evil clown comes and abducts their daughter and forces that forces the daughter to work in his evil clown circus. And the story really centers around the courage required to find our way back home. Um, but so in this musical, as I'm, as I'm creating this musical and telling the story, it's doing all kinds of incredible work in my heart and it's healing me and it's changing me and it's transforming me and it's inspiring me. And the ripple starts in my heart, but then the ripple goes out into the world and it washes over other people and it, heals them and it brings forgiveness. It brings hope. It casts vision for what life can look like. And so every time we create, I think this ripple effect happens. And so my challenge for everyone is they're thinking about Hamilton and story and the creative act and how God uses creativity is to just be a person that creates and whatever that looks like for you, whether that's music or gardening or cooking or entrepreneuring or anything at all that that could be, to be a creative person. And if that's something that resonates with you, I'd love to stay in touch with you. And you can find me. My social media is all Kevin Cloud KC is my handle on Facebook and Twitter and um, Instagram. And then I have two websites. My book is on is at GodinHamilton.com. It's also available on Amazon. And then my, uh, my new organization is RecreateUs.com. You can find me there as well. Great. Thank you so much. Um, you guys, I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for being here and for talking with us about God and Hamilton. Yeah, thank you so much. And this has been so much fun and love the work you're doing and keep going, keep creating. Oh, thank you. I will. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pop Culture Profit. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, both at Pop Culture Profit. Or if you have anything you'd like to say, you can email me at contact at popcultureprofit.com. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast and let me know what you thought about this episode. Bye!